Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan, good morning to you. Panther Insider with Pat Bostic here at 8 to 9 a.m. every Saturday. Talking pit sports, and we've got a lot to talk about this Saturday. It is the final Saturday of the regular season conference tournaments in men's basketball across this great country. And the Pitt Panthers have positioned themselves, hopefully, for an NCAA tournament bid for the first time since 2015-16. So, we await the news. We take a look at the situations. A lot of bracketologists are weighing in. Things change by the hour, by the minute. Tonight will be no different. And the Panthers look to be in that 10-11 spot based on all accounts in terms of their seeding for the NCAA tournament. Although that could change. Obviously, you've got bid stealers, automatic qualifiers from conferences. You've got teams like Penn State that are making a nice run in the Big Ten tournament. Penn State beat Northwestern last night. will play in the semifinals of the Big Ten tournament tonight. The farther they go, the more their position is essentially switched with Pitt. What do you think about this? Where, where should Pitt fall? What are your thoughts? What would disappoint you? What would excite you? For the Pitt Panthers in the NCAA tournament, taking your calls all morning, 412-928-9370. Going to talk Pitt basketball. Let's talk ACC tournament. We'll talk about the game against Duke, which wasn't much of a game. I was there for it. Got back from Greensboro late Thursday night. Obviously a disappointing uh, outcome for the Panthers in that basketball game. However, a season that nothing should be taken away from and one that I believe deserves to be rewarded uh, with a postseason berth. Could be in Dayton. Could be other elsewhere. We will certainly find out. I also want to talk pit football today. Spring practice starts Tuesday. What are the storylines? What positional battles? Spring ball is always a fun time because it's it's the immediacy of the season isn't there. So it's, it's really about finding out who you are. It's about finding out what you have. And then obviously the spring game, the Blue Gold spring game, we played April 15th at Acrisure Stadium. That kind of caps it all before we head into the summer months and football looms right around the corner. Pitt Wrestling, NCAA championships this week. Nino Bonacorsi, Mickey Filippi, and company. Cole Matthews making a run in Tulsa. Always a fun time. Keith Gavin and his team with a excellent season once again, a top 25 caliber season. Looking to bolster that season with some All-Americans and potentially we'll see if Nino, who's the number one overall seed, can bring home a national championship. He's the first number one overall seed at the 184-pound weight class since Keith Gavin did it back in the mid-2000s. So a lot to talk about with Pitt Sports. Want to hear from you, 412-928-9370. So Greensboro, I was there. ACC tournament will be in Washington, D.C. next year. I'm looking a little bit more forward to the festivities there than I was in Greensboro, although it was a good time. All the talk going into the ACC tournament, Joe Lenardi probably said it most succinctly, was Pitt needed to win a game, one game. They needed to win one game of their, the balance of their four games of the season, including the ACC tournament, to secure an NCAA tournament bid. Well, that might not be totally true. As Lenardi is, now has Pitt too close to call in terms of where they're at. Believes they're in. Same number of accounts where he's, he's answered specific questions about Pitt and said he believes they're in the tournament, but a, but a bus trip to Dayton may not be out of the question. So the Panthers took care of business against Georgia Tech. But there's some troubling things about this team of late. It's not offensively. I mean, certainly Duke pre presented some challenges. We'll talk about that game. But offensively, the Panthers are as capable as 
any team in the country of scoring and shooting the basketball. Jeff Capel, who was named ACC Coach of the Year, an extremely, extremely well-deserved honor, has done a great job assembling this team. We've talked about it and, and growing this team throughout the season. This team has improved. It's something we haven't seen the previous four years. They played their best basketball probably from the middle of January to the middle of February. Obviously, the, the balance of the season, the ending of the season, late February, early March, is where you make your, your greatest impression on the pollsters. You make your greatest impression on the bracketologists. You make your greatest impression in terms of where you will ultimately end up come tournament time. And this pit team fell off a little bit, and it wasn't for a lack of offense. I think what we saw from this team was a lack of defense. This is a team that's given up over 80 points in four of their last five games. Georgia Tech notwithstanding. Really tough to win games in March like that. Really tough to win games. And obviously, who they've played against in, the, in those games certainly has, has something to do with it. Miami and Duke are, obviously, we saw that game last night. It was toe-to-toe. Duke pulled away late. You're talking about two of the best offensive teams in the ACC right now, if not this country. I think Duke might be the hottest team in the country. Jay Billis said it last night. They're a national championship caliber team. I agree. They're young, but they turned old. They've come of age. They're immensely talented. They're difficult to guard. They've got seven footers that can step beyond the arc. They switch one to five on defense. They're tough. They're really good. Miami, obviously, guard-driven, extremely hard to guard with Nigel Pack and Isaiah Wong. Wong winning the ACC Player of the Year honors. Really tough team to, to, to contend with. But Panthers playing those two teams, obviously, in that those last five games. Notre Dame caught fire in Mike Bray's last home game. Caught fire. Panthers handled Syracuse at home in their homestand, their final home game, senior day at the Peterson Event Center. And Georgia Tech made a run in the early in the second half. And that's where we see – we've seen these lulls in games defensively. And, and it, it tends to happen off of turnovers or missed shots. We've seen rebounding be a problem. This isn't a team that – they're longer than they've been, but against a team like Duke and a team like Miami with some of the size they have and athleticism, struggle to not only defend but, but defend their own glass – but that doesn't take away from their resume overall. I'm just saying, what, it, what has us in this position right now? As we look to, to next year and beyond, what are, the, what are the areas in which this team, this program needs to improve if they're going to be a ACC title contender again and look to make a push through March? And look, I, I think this is a team that can make some noise getting in the tournament, provided the matchups. Provided the matchups. Basketball is such a matchup-driven game. But this is a team that can score enough offensively in a multitude of different ways. Jamarius Burton off the bounce one-on-one. Elliot Henson catch and shoot. Nike Sabandi can do a number of different things. Federico Federico had a great, great game against Georgia Tech. They really did a nice job getting him involved early. Scored in double figures. Obviously rebounded the ball well. Changed shots on defense. The Twins continue to improve. If you see them around... Just encourage those guys to keep keep eating and lifting. If they put some pounds on, man, they're going to be really good. So they've got a lot of different parts. Nellie Cummings, a lot of different parts that can make noise. But 
We need to find out where that noise is going to be made. What do you think? 412-928-9370. Where are the Panthers going to end up? Looking at that 10-11 slot, I've seen Albany projected. I've seen Columbus projected. I've seen Dayton. Obviously, the first four played on Tuesday and Wednesday. Play a game. I've seen projected against Arizona State, which would be an interesting matchup. Certainly, two teams that would be fighting for a spot in the final 64, make the field of 68, but do they do they advance to the next round? Then this would ensue with weeks of chaos and hopefully continued progress. But I want to go back to a point I made earlier, and I, I, I try to remind myself of this because this is the time of year where we, we tend to get lost in living every, every game as, it's, as if it's a season or every stretch of games. And, that, and that's what March is in, in basketball. That's why we love it. You know, what you do in March defines you. But I don't think that anyone can look at this season, look at the recruiting class that Jeff Capel and his staff have put together coming in for next season, take a look at the blueprint that he and his staff were able to utilize to take advantage of the transfer portal and get veteran proven commodity players and not think that this year was an unequivocal success. A giant step forward. A giant step forward. This is a program that sputtered in years past. Hasn't been relevant in seven seasons. All been well documented. But we've had games at the Peterson Event Center where the crowd was like the old days. We had a team that played unselfish. A team that was fun to watch and still is. A team that's in the conversation for a postseason bid for the first time in several years. So certainly there is room to grow. But a lot of progress has been made. Let's go to Tim in the North Hills. Tim, how are you? Enjoy your show. Thanks, hey, uh, with, with Pitt, uh, with their basketball program, it's a three-point shooting game. It, it, just like you live with the sword, you die by the sword. Uh, but the thing is, they need to they need to be able to use them big guys to be able to get the ball under the boards more. They got to work underneath more. They're not. They don't seem to be real good under the boards. Yeah, I agree, Tim. I mean that that's a that's a really good point. Um, that's a really good point. And I think you know one of the other things, Tim, that that's interesting in this season is who would have thought they would have made it this far without John Hughley. And, Absolutely. And so we'll we'll see what his future holds, whether he's in a pit uniform or not. It remains to be seen. And we hope he's continuing to obviously get better and improve, but injury and, and so forth. But um, absolutely, this is a team that needs to, to bolster its inside presence. I think Henson can be more of a factor down there. Um, yes, they get – they get under the boards uh, if they. That's why they lose. When they lose, they lose under the boards. They their game under there is just not quite up to par. You, you got it, Tim. I appreciate the call. You know this is a. It is important. I mean, Jamie Dixon. You know his team's defense and rebounding, and I think those those are two areas that became they weren't weaknesses all year. And against certain teams, I think Pitt rebounded the ball well, and I think they defended extremely well. Uh, won some games on on the defensive side of the uh, of the ball, but when they lost, you know, getting out rebounded by twenty two at Miami, 
Obviously, Duke is a team that leads the league in offensive boards. I don't. I, I think that obviously they lost the rebounding battle against Duke. I don't think there was a world in which they were going to win. However, they need. I am bullish on Blake Henson, and, and here's a guy that, um, you know, this is a guy that can shoot it from anywhere. The green light is on. He's better shooting threes than he is free throws, which I need to figure that one out. But he's a guy. A guy didn't play in two years. He's 6'7", 240-some pounds. Didn't play in two years. Was literally playing pickup ball at Planet Fitness. Give him an offseason. Give him an offseason with some continuity, a full offseason in the weight room, lean up a little bit, work on his ball handling and ability to score off the bounce and become more of a factor on the defensive glass. I think Blake Henson's an NBA guy. And I don't have the trained basketball eye that I do football. I'm not saying I'm Mel Kuyper or anything in football, but in basketball, I watched enough to know you can't coach. I mean, the guy's unconscious. I mean, some of the shots he made against Miami, even a corner three head against Duke off the catch, you couple that with the ability to, to drive, the ability to use his body and frame down low and defend and rebound at the level he should given his size and, and length. This is a second-team All-ACC player coming off a two-year hiatus. Sky's the limit for this guy. What a key part of next season. But, Tim, you're right. The, the, the rebounding needs to be better. The inside presence needs to be better. I think Federico Federico's got a chance to be a really, really good player. He's had an excellent year. It's a crime he wasn't on the ACC defensive team. Absolute crime. Uh, obviously, that's a good team, and, and, and he's a, he was a guy that I don't think a lot of people expected to, uh, to be a factor in that mix. However... Again, another year in the offseason, only a sophomore. You know, Guillermo and Jorge Diaz-Graham, probably not your typical 4-5 players, at least from a mentality standpoint, that they play more beyond the arc. Um, they can catch the ball in spots, you know, mid-range jump shots. We've seen them put it on the, on the ground and, and take it to the basket and make plays. But in order to, to spell Federico Federico, you know, against you know some of the talent you see with – Ormir and, and and obviously with Duke with Filipowski and company, they've got to be stronger in order to compete down low on the block. But again, this offseason is going to afford opportunities to supplement this returning roster with talent, with proven talent. And it's going to be fun to watch because the floor has been risen significantly for this program. Pitt is back on the radar, they're back on the map. And we'll find out where they are on the map for the NCAA tournament. Tomorrow night, and I fully expect the Panthers to make the tournament and hopefully make a run. I want to hear more from you, 412-928-9370. Going to come back, going to switch gears a little bit and talk some pit spring football, get into some position battles, take your calls on the football side of things, and then close things out at the end of the, of the hour, making some predictions for pit hoops and talking about the future of this program. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to 93.7 The Fan and Panthers Insider. Welcome back. Panther Insider rolls on. Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. Saturday, March 11th. Championship Saturday and Sunday in NCAA Men's Basketball Conference Tournaments. NCAA Selection Show tomorrow. We talk some pit hoops in the first segment. Where are the Panthers going to be? Joe Lenardi making some predictions. I think Jim from Jefferson has some comments on Joe Lenardi. Jim, good morning. Good morning, Pat. You know, Pat, I am a bit confused about Joe Lenardi and Jerry Palm. 
And what I think it is, is last year there were, what, nine teams from the ACC in the tournament? Yep. It ended up with six in the Sweet 16, three in the Elite Eight, two in the Final Four, almost three. And the other conferences didn't like it. So Jerry Palm and Joe Lenardi were told, or they're being paid, I don't know what it is, but they've been on the ACC's back all year. It's not a good conference. All of a sudden, we went from nine teams in to not a good conference. And who's suffering from that? Explain to me how we can have 14 wins. Are we 14 and 6 in the regular season? We won one tournament game. We have 22 wins. And any other year, ACC team we'd be in. And how many ACC teams are in the tournament right now? I mean, really in the tournament. We don't have to play, that don't have to play in. Okay, what do we have? Four teams? Yep. I heard the Big Ten might get nine. That is you a got projection. West Virginia that doesn't even have a winning record in the Big 12 that's going to be in there better seated than we will be if we have to do that playing game. We've been under pressure all year from Joe Lenardi, and I'm beginning to think they have something against the Pitt administration or Jeff Cable or something. Our guys have had to play under pressure these last games. Like, you got to win this one. you got to win that one. Okay, and, that, and then people forget in that Duke game, what did Frederico play? Nine minutes? Greg Elliott hasn't been healthy for several games. And I can't figure out why Henson sat on the bench for some of that game either. That's a mystery to me. <laughs> he put the uh, the Diaz-Graham brothers in. But I, I, honestly, this whole thing with Joe Lenardi, I'm sick and tired of hearing about it. I hear and, you, and we, we should have at least five teams in there. And the body of our work in the regular season should have us in the tournament. No questions about it. I, All this play and BS. I, 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 I'm, I am just frustrated. And you know what? It was a tie in the football. I truly believe that some of this, where they put the pressure on these, quote, bractologists, is because of football. And what yeah. some of these conferences want to come in and steal teams out of the ACC. Interesting. Primarily the, the southern teams. Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, Miami. And I've seen some rumblings of that already. What is it, Florida State's crying about not getting enough money for TV? Yeah, there's some of that going on for sure. There's some of that going on for sure. I'm not sure it's tied to it, Jim, and I appreciate the call. I always love hearing from you. But, um, you know, it's an interesting – I'm going to use the team for an example, and then we'll get into some football talk this morning. We've got another – we've got Gideon on the line as well, who I'll get to. Um, Ohio State. Now, I'm all for the conference tournament, you know, you know, resulting in an automatic qualifier. I'm all for it. It's about the teams playing the best basketball at this time of the year. I, I'm I'm all for it. But there's got to be something about the body of work. I mean, look at Ohio State. Okay, so Ohio State's going to play Purdue tonight, this afternoon at 1 o'clock, for a chance to get into the Big Ten title game. The team at 16 and 18 this season. In the league, they're 5 and 15 in the Big Ten. I don't care how good the Big Ten is or how bad it is. Five and 15. And they're a team that lost nine straight during the season, I think. I can't really count it off the top of my head right now, but nine straight games. And I get you can turn around. The Panthers were one and three to start the season. November is a long time ago, ancient history. But if, this, if Ohio State doesn't win the Big Ten title, there's no chance they should be in the NCAA tournament. Penn State, on the other hand, regardless of my feelings for Penn State, has earned it. Shrewsbury's done a great job. 
They've got 20-plus wins. They're handling business. They're in the tournament semifinals. Absolutely. You're going to give credit where credit's due. Give credit where credit is due. But you look at some of these, quote, bid stealers. I mean, and I'm not in the room. No one's going to be in the room with the selection committee. But the ACC has proven over time that it's one of the premier basketball conferences in college basketball. Is it at its strongest? Well, who would want to play Duke right now? Carolina's obviously falling off. Who would want to play Miami? Virginia. Obviously, Clemson got beat last night, but that's a good basketball team. Pitt's a team that can really score. Virginia Tech's giving teams trouble. Wake Forest had a good year. Unfortunately, I, I do think the narrative has influenced this. I think you've seen teams that have done a good job in the portal, gotten some big names, grab attention, teams that play in big preseason tournaments and win them, obviously vault up the rankings, that carries them through. But this is about the body of work. And again, I'll go back to a stat I referenced a couple weeks ago. No team in the history of the ACC has finished 14-6 and six and not made the NCAA tournament. That would apply to Pitt and it would apply to Clemson. But we'll see what happens. Let's go to Gideon on the south side. Gideon, how you doing? I'm good, thanks. Good morning, Pat. Good morning, man. You know, that was a tough act, tough act to follow. To your point, I think Blake Hinson is a future pro with the work that you indicated. And I would go so far as to say that Jamarius Burton and Nike Sabandi could have futures in professional basketball. But the reason I called was to talk about the transfer portal for a second. I don't, I don't have the insights that you do. Do you think that this year's success becomes a, a magnet for future transfer portal players? And second of all, do you think some of the guys that you referenced who contributed this year might think that there's a, a bigger, better deal for them somewhere else? Or is this team really into uh, playing with each other? And do they want us to come back next year? I appreciate the call, Gideon. These are great questions. And I agree, that was a tough act to follow for you, but you, your questions are spot on. Um, I do think JB and Nike have, have futures, whether it be overseas, G League, whatever, JB especially. Uh, but Nike's a freak athlete. I think Henson's a guy that, you know, I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. He's a priority to keep around here. And and that's just the that's the world we live in. He's definitely a, a a key cog for this this team coming back next year. You know, I think from a from a program stability standpoint, you look at Federico Federico and the Twins are guys that love it here. Those are guys that showed tremendous improvement and could really benefit from an off season and play critical roles as first year players. Not, I'm not sure they're going to find a place that's that's going to feature them the way they're going to be featured here. I think they've built some of their offense and what they do around their futures. You know, guys like Nate Santos, Will Jeffress, I expect to be back, but you never know. You know, in, in this world, and and that's nothing against them and their loyalty. It's just the world we live in. I, I have heard nothing to the contrary of them not being in blue and gold next year. But you just can't. There's no safe bet or sure bet anymore you know guys like Dior Johnson uh freakishly talented we'll see how that all pans out and his potential with this team obviously he'd be a heck of a uh, of a of a piece in terms of a point guard in addition to what's coming in 
you know, as, as freshmen. So I think it will be an interesting offseason. I don't expect it to be as much a turnover as last year. But in my mind, what Jeff Capel's done with this team, the freedom he gives guys to play offensively. You look at guys like like Blake Henson and Jamarius Burton, first team and second team ACC, respectively, on their third schools after not playing for a season or two, having the type of year they had here at Pitt. It's got to be attractive to transfers. Got to be attractive. They play in transition. I mean, it's a it's a great place to play, great arena, great city. You know, coming off of a period of time when Pitt really couldn't go out and recruit or host recruits on campus, now you've got a chance to bring them into the Peat and had a chance to bring them into the Peat all season when it, when it was buzzing. I expect I expect last year's success and the blueprint, more importantly, to be parlayed into next season. And I expect the Panthers to be an attractive destination for those that are seeking a better place to play and a better opportunity. We'll see who they are and when they come, but that's another thing, you know, post when this season is over, and I'm not rooting for anything to long may it continue. When this season next season starts. And I think it's gonna be a continuation of what Jeff Capel and his staff have done. This season, let's go to Matt in the North Hill Selection Committee talk. What do you got, Matt? Hey, Pat. You know, I'm getting really sick of the narrative, and we don't know what the committee is going to do when they look at it. But it just seems that there's different standards for the ACC teams, or just teams in general. Like I, I watched Arizona State lose by 20 last night and not fall, so a blowout for them doesn't seem to be an issue. But a blowout for us is knocking us down four or five spots. Um, North Carolina State, someone has to explain that one to me. They haven't really beaten anyone. Clemson beat them three times by a ton. Pitt beat them. Yet there's a lot of people that still have NC State ahead of both of those teams. So the whole thing is just driving me crazy. The Big Ten you should not get credit for just simply beating up on each other for the entire season and having a bunch of 500 conference teams get in. And whenever Ohio State makes a run, it's a sign the Big Ten's a great conference, not that you're losing to a bad team. Right. Right. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> I would tend to agree. I mean, again, I, I don't want to get too – I don't want to – I don't want to start – completely slandering the Big Ten because that's not fair. There's good teams in that league. Um, and there was a time when a 500 record or better in the Big East or the ACC guaranteed you a spot in the NCAA tournament. Absolutely guaranteed. Surefire. No no doubt about it. But not anymore. Not anymore. And I think there's a lot to do with that. I mean, social media, who knows what's true and what's not. You know, updated – I mean – Joe Lenardi doesn't want to, let's just be honest, right? He doesn't want to have a bracket that's the same every day. And there's merit there, There's merit to moving teams. But it, it fires people up more, gets more clicks when you move people. You know, when you like teams getting fired up and fan bases getting fired up. You know, more readers, more commenters, more everything. And I'm not saying anyone's making anything up. I'm just saying that sells. And in the era of social media, which is different than it was certainly when Pitt was an NCAA tournament caliber team seven years ago, 
it, it it's a good thing for these outlets, these news outlets, these bracketologists to have a lot of conversation and passionate conversation about their teams and where they think they should be versus where that individual has them. We're going to find out tomorrow. We're going to find out tomorrow night. And again, I expect the Panthers to be in the dance for sure. I think they're dancing. They've earned it. That was with Dr. Mark Duca, the good doctor down in Miami. And after that tough loss, and he said it best, this is a team that deserves to be rewarded for the season they've had, for the step forward that was that was made. And I think they will be. I'm going to try to transition into a little bit of football talk here next to close out the show, unless we got more callers, 412-928-9370. Give me a buzz. I'm going to talk some spring football to close things out next. You're listening to Panthers Insider on 93.7 The Fan. Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan, wrapping things up here on Panthers Insider. Saturday, March 11th. We're here every Saturday, 8 to 9 a.m. on Panthers Insider. Talking pit sports. Talk pit hoops for the past 45 minutes. Covered a lot of ground. Talked a lot of scenarios. Seems to be some conspiracy theories. I think things are going to be just fine for the Panthers come selection Sunday, wherever they may end up. It's an opportunity to play in the postseason to continue their season and to continue the legacy of this senior class. It's done such a terrific job restoring the pride in this program. But switching gears simultaneously, spring practice for Pitt football starts on Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Love spring ball. South side will be populated by 105 to 15 guys fighting for spots. Got continuity on the staff offensively and defensively, but a lot of new faces for this pit program to follow as spring unfolds. 15 practices. That'll conclude with the spring game on April 15th. Some things to follow that I'm that I'm watching for this team this season. Obviously, we know who's departed. Kalijah Cansey making waves, national headlines at the NFL Combine. That 4-6-7-40, that 10 split. Expect him to be a first-round pick, no questions asked. Got to go to the right scheme. Not sure you know people really understand that. That's not a that's not a a shot at anyone's football knowledge. It's simply the the fact that you know wanted him to come to Pittsburgh. The, the Steelers style defense, the Cam Haywards of the world, the Javon Hargraves of the world. That three four style defense is not what Kalaj and Kalaj is a th- penetrating three technique. Look at teams like Philly. Look at teams like Buffalo. You look at teams like Chicago, the Bucks, the Rams. I expect someone to he'll find a home in that first round. You can't deny the speed and explosiveness, and and coming off a shoulder injury, really didn't have an opportunity to, really did not have an opportunity to show his strength too on the bench and otherwise. What a combine for him, Brandon Hill as well. Izzy didn't run. We start to see some of the the voids on this team. Obviously, change to the quarterback position. Jared Wayne moving on. So here's my here's what I'm following this spring when I get a chance to watch practice. We'll we'll talk about it a lot. We'll have guests on. We'll Hopefully do a do a lot a couple live remotes from spring practice coming up for Panthers Insider. Really get some some great coverage of spring football. It starts at the quarterback position. And I expect there to be a fight. Frank Signetti, John DiBiase have done a great job putting that quarterback room together, reassembling it, building depth, 
Phil Dracovic, obviously, back home. I think it's reasonable to assume he'll get the first crack at being the starter. He's a proven guy. He didn't come here to sit. Came here to compete, but also to lead and to have a great season for, for a team he grew up rooting for and go to the NFL. But Christian Vieira, the Penn State transfer, if you're just watching his tape from Penn State, hearing things about his explosiveness, athleticism, how live of an army has. It's a great situation to have, too. And he's a guy that's proven himself on, on a big stage as well at Penn State, started against Rutgers, led the Nittany Lions to a victory. Obviously, we know Nate Yarnell is a guy that's been here the longest of the group, other than other than Eli Kasanovich from, from Aliquippa, who's basically a player coach. I love that kid. But Nate's a guy that's going to have something to say about things. Be very interesting to f- to follow that competition all spring, and then to see how the spring game develops and how they play. Another thing I'm following is is the weapons around him. Obviously, losing Jared Wayne, a thousand yard receiver. What kind of step do Bub Means and Kanate Mumfield take? What does Dejon Reynolds, the Florida transfer, give him? What are some who are some freshmen that could step up? Israel Polk is a guy that's people are talking about as a guy that could be you know obviously his brother has pedigree comes to Pitt from California has some ties to the to the area loose ties but ties nonetheless Lamar Seymour is enrolled early what does he give the Panthers in terms of an immediate boost the receiver position will be one that's critical to follow, but I expect Bob Means and Kanate to take a large step this year. Tight end position. Gavin Bartholomew, do they get that position more involved? Phil Dracovic loves a good tight end. He's a quarterback that's had a history with Hunter Long at Boston College. But who do we see behind him? Carter Johnson played a lot last year. Who do we see behind Gavin that can step up and, and give this team a boost at the tight end position? Be very interesting to follow that. I expect the offensive line to be full of competition. Full of competition. Young players. Guys like Ryan Jacoby and Ryan Bear. Certainly Branson Taylor. We know what Mack and Salvis can do. We know what Blake Zabovic can do. We know some of the proven commodities on that front, but who are some of the young players that have a chance to step up and compete for starting jobs this spring? Running back position. Certainly Rodney Hammond. Certainly Sebo Flemister. Certainly Daniel Carter. A couple young freshmen in there as well. Defensive side of the ball, who's the next D tackle? Who's it going to be? Elliot Donald. Sean Fitzsimmons. In addition to David Green and Devin Danielson. DeAndre Jules, who's the next diamond in the rough that Charlie Partridge has shined up? Deion Hayes, a defensive end, a guy that I expect to have a monster year. A monster year. Moving back to the linebacker level, no Servassier Dennis for the first time in a long time. Shane Simon figures to move inside potentially. Brandon George, Bengali Kamara, Solomon DeShields. Names we know. Guys that have made plays on Saturdays at Acrisure Stadium and otherwise. 
corner position's about as fortified as it's ever been. And if you listen to anybody at the dra- at the dra- at the combine, rather, they'll tell you that they think MJ Devonshire is the next one, the next guy to really have a big time year and put himself in position to to be a draft guy, to be a combine guy, the next good corner from the University of Pittsburgh. And there have been many that have gone on to do big things. Safety is probably outside of. I would say outside of, man, it, I would say safety is where we're going to see the most turnover and the most competition of any position on that defensive side of the ball. If I just had to go off the top of my head, you're losing Eric Hout, Brandon Hill. They played three years together back there on the hash. Now you're looking at some younger guys, Javon McIntyre, Philip O'Brien. Obviously, Donovan McMillan picked up in the transfer portal from Florida, but host of young players competing for two spots and a nickel position. But with Marquez Williams and A.J. Woods and M.J. Devonshire and Rashad Battle outside, got to feel good about that secondary and some of the talent that Corey Sanders has at the safety position. But it's just going to be, once again, I feel like this is a team with depth, with options. more Certainly more at some positions than others, but you can't fault, or you can't rather, you can't question where this pit program is in terms of depth, stockpile depth and proven talent combined, equal competition. Guys get better regardless of how many years they've started in a row. So this is a really, I think, important spring for Pitt. Coming off of two very good seasons, 11 and 9 wins respectively. I'm sure there'll be questions about this team heading into 2023. There already are. Who's the quarterback going to be? How do you replace Izzy? Jared Wayne's gone. No Kalijah Kansi. Lose both your safeties. Those are stressful positions in this defense. You hear all of them. But one of the things you learn over an eight-year tenure for Pat Narduzzi is how many times have those questions been answered? More often than not. More often than not. What are you going to do about DeMar Hamlin and Paris Ford? Some lumps early for Brandon Hill and Eric Howitt? Sure. But, boy, they turn into good players. Jalen Twyman's gone. Who's going to replace him? Who's the, who's the next D tackle? Enter Kalijah Kansi. Who is going to replace Patrick Jones and Rashad Weaver? Habba Baldonado, Deion Hayes, Deslin Alexander, John Morgan. John Morgan transferred to Arkansas, but still a factor for this defense in the past couple years, continue to be a top-five sack team in the country. Quadrillo since Khan is real Abana candidate, although Kenny Pickett took the limelight from the running back position for a couple seasons. Who's going to answer those questions? Who's going to emerge? we got time for one more. John. John from the car. How you doing, man? Hey, Pat. Thanks for taking my call. You got it, man. Uh Really, really excited about Pittsburgh football. Um, I, I love the fact that there is competition at so many positions because that's just going to generate improvement. There's really almost, especially you talk about the safety position and offensive line, those competitions just breed excellence down the road. And I can't wait for this season. The, the, the one thing that I'm looking at the Pitt football team, the outlook for the ACC, 
we're going to know a lot those first couple of games. I think Pitt could really challenge for getting it another ACC championship. Um, the only thing that concerns me about the conference overall is how it's viewed. And, and this is not only for football, but you saw it in basketball this year. So much is driven by the outlook of the national media and actually not results on the field or on the court. And I think that that's something, as time goes on, the ACC is going to have to address, whether it's adding new members, uh, still maybe trying to bring in Notre Dame for football. But I think this is a long-term issue that the conference itself is going to have to address because, let's face it, we have a year here where Pitt really shown well, Miami and Clemson and basketball, but the national media looks down their nose at them because the blue bloods of the conference weren't that good, and then they'll say, well, the ACC is having a down year, much like the year Pitt won the ACC championship. Yep. They'd say, well, Clemson wasn't that good, so the ACC stinks. Yep, no doubt. I appreciate the call, John. i got to wrap things up. I appreciate you calling from the car and agree with you. There's only one way to, to, to win that battle. And, and at a conference level, that's another conversation. Consistent winning. You got to keep showing up. And another opportunity this season for Pitt with big time, big time national TV type opportunities on the road at West Virginia, on the road at Notre Dame, hosting North Carolina and Florida State at home, Cincinnati at home. Uh, it's not a schedule that it screams Penn State, Notre Dame at home, like you, but this schedule's got opportunity written all over it. And we're going to find out who. The cast of characters are going to be, the main characters are going to be to write that story. Appreciate you tuning in this morning. Appreciate your calls. PGT Trucking, Voss TV at Appliance, Mac Discount, Beaver County Automotive, all the great sponsors Sponsors of Panthers Insider. Had a blast this morning. We'll be back next Saturday, 8 to 9 a.m., hopefully talking about another basketball game and more spring football. Have a great Saturday. It's been real this morning, and as always, hail to Pitt.